Hey, Connection More Church, we are um, going to just finish off the, with part three of our, our series, Remedy, where we're talking um, just about the issues of race in the church. Um, and I'm here with our friends uh, that have just been so gracious, uh, Jeff, and he actually scared off his wife. Uh, and so Adrian had to leave, but uh, um, Pastor Jeff is, uh, has been uh, just valuable. I hope you've uh, enjoyed um, him, and you're, I'm sure you're going to be seeing more of him in the future. Uh, and then also uh, Chloe and Tafazo, appreciate y'all as well. And Erica, always appreciate you. Um, last week, we, we are in the last part, we touched on this, but um, I, I want to go back to this idea um, of how do we actually integrate our Sunday mornings? Because I think that part of our goal should be as the church to give a glimpse of heaven to the world. And I think even when we talk about racism, part of the vision of the church would be that anytime there's brokenness, people can look at the church and say, well, there's a glimpse of what it's supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, right now, what do you think are some practical steps? And the, and the whole point of this last part of, the, uh, of this discussion is to find some action steps that we can take forward, take forward that we can actually begin to implement. Um, last week we had some, uh, in the last week, or the last uh, part of the discussion, we had some great uh, suggestions, but um, what do y'all think, what, what are the most important action steps that the church, whether it's a black church or a white church, what can we do to where people are no longer saying that's a black church or a white church? I think one of the key things being being more intentional about uh, going out into the community and building those relationships. And it might take us surrendering our pulpit for that Sunday so they can hear uh, creating other avenues, or maybe park day, and just everybody get together in fellowship and just bit slowly build those relationships so we can lean into each other. You know, game nights, uh, doing something strategically that will uh, uh, create a comfortable atmosphere, a welcoming atmosphere for each other. And I think we've been strategically this year, that's one of my goals to bring in and, and to build those relationships. Uh, and, and but it just taken a while for me because I had to break down some fears. I had some inward prejudice about that. Uh, but being more intentional uh, uh, and going in and leaning in and, and loving on each other. So accepting each other for who they are. Don't try to adjust their giftings or just welcome them for who they are. Right. Yeah. I think many times we try to be something that we're not. And I have to learn that God called me, I have a specific gift. I have to be me. And I, early on in pastoring, I tried to do what other people did, uh, uh, right? You know, I, I'm not like you, Pastor Joel. You probably got your sermon all outlined and got 12 points. You, you know, uh, uh, I tried that. It didn't work for me. Uh, uh, but God, I have to be comfortable in my skin. And uh, use those tools to help me. So just being comfortable in who we are and allowing other people to see us and peeling back a, a layer and not just uh, go with a, going in with a mask on. And uh, uh, many times we put on a facade and we don't let people see into us. We're not transparent enough as believers. And I had to uh, really work on that for myself. One of uh, my friends, Pastor Randy from Summit Church, they helped me with this tremendously because I was afraid. We don't tell our business. 
I went there to a men's, uh, men's Bible study, and boy, they were telling everything. I was like, oh, my God, you don't supposed to tell nobody that stuff. That, you keep that secret. God to forgave you. Why are you sharing it? <laughs> but God had to deliver me because I'm learning now that confession one to another, it helps. It brings healing, and it brings deliverance in areas. And so we should be confident in each other to be able to share that way the enemy doesn't get the glory. That's good. And, yeah. and we call that the last 2% of giving the last 2% because we, we, uh, we always talk about the 98% we like. Yeah. And then there's that yeah. last 2%, but God wants to heal the last 2%, 2%. And that's what we hide. And so, but it takes trust, what you're saying. It, yeah. It's not just trust in you. It takes, you have to be confident that that person is for you. So that's, that's, mm. a, that's a powerful word. Um, Chloe, Tufato, what do y'all think? Yeah, um, I think it's just so important to, like he was saying, like building relationships and meeting people where they're at because it's very easy for you to say, oh, come on over, you know, come visit our church. And if you're not comfortable in that, then it's unfair for an unfair ask for you to ask. And so I think that getting out in the relation, um, in the community, building those relationships, meeting them where they're at, and then first stepping into their territory where you feel uncomfortable and then from there, slowly like integrating that to where one another, like you just feel more comfortable with each other. And so I think it's important to meet them where they're at instead of having this expectation of them coming to you. And so. That's really good. Um, all right, now the, uh, I've only got a couple of uh, more questions about where we move forward and then maybe just uh, we might talk just briefly about some ideas. But one of the thoughts or the, the comments that I've heard this week that uh, for me as a white man uh, navigating all of this that really struck me the most uh, was, was a comment that I wasn't even uh, ready for, and it was this. White Christians may not be racist. They may just be selfish. And, uh, and this is something that was kind of eye-opening to me because when I view myself, I don't view myself as part of the problem. I, I honestly view myself as Man, I, I, I love every, everyone. I hate the injustice that I see, um, but I may just be selfish. And two different uh, texts came from the, um, to my mind. The first one was Isaiah 39, which is when Hezekiah, he's, he's been saved by the Lord once. And then uh, the prophet Isaiah comes back and says, listen, because you showed your house to Babylon, understand Babylon is going to come back into your house because you are, is going to come and take away. And he begins this, Isaiah says that he's going to take away this. He's going to take away that. And then Isaiah says, he's going to take away your sons and make them eunuchs in the house of the king of Babylon. And this is Hezekiah's response. It says, Hezekiah responds, good. That means there will be peace in my day. In other words, it stinks that the next generation is going to have to deal with this, but whoo, Isaiah, I thought you were going to give me bad news, but thank goodness it's not going to affect me. And I thought, man, that's a lot of times my response, uh, um, not that intentionally, understand, uh -huh. but, uh, you know, we see something and uh, we make a statement or we change our, our, our Facebook page or something like that, and hey, you know, whoo, I've done something, now I can move on. Uh, and it's a selfishness because part of me knows loving my neighbor means I've got to go next door. Loving my neighbor, wow. getting to means. And, and, and what I thought of when I was thinking of my attitude sometimes was in John 21, you have a moment where Jesus restores Peter. 
and, and he brings them back. He says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. But then he, they're walking and Jesus says to him, he says, someday somebody's going to lead you where you don't, going to dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. And Peter looks over at John and says, what about him? And Jesus says, don't worry about him, but understand if you follow me someday, it's going to get uncomfortable. He's going to lead you where you don't want to go. And, and part of me through all of this begins to realize that it may be not that I'm racist. It may be that I'm so selfish that I'm not willing to do what Christ is calling me to do because I know it's going to make me uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and so my question uh, to, to this is, what do you think it, it, it would look like for us and not just white people, but black people as well? What is it going to take for the church to get out of our comfort zone? What would that tangibly look like for us to get out of our comfort zone and begin to really make a change when it comes to race in this country and in the church? I think one step could be that we talked about earlier would be step out. Like when you see it, call it out. It's easy to see it and then say and be like, oh, yeah, that's not right. But say it when you're in the comfort of your home. But like it happens all around us. Microaggressions are real. Be aware of what those things are and know and make, you know, make sure yourself are like, okay, I'm not going to do those things. But whenever you see, have a friend that does or say something that's inappropriate, be the uncomfortable one to be like, yo, that's not right. And that is something that us in the church need to get to a point where we're doing that is is going to be awkward. And, and that can be done in a loving way. That's the yeah. other other mm -hmm. thing that I think we're so scared sometime yeah. as, as Christ followers to understand that uh, correction is is an act of love. Yes. And that you don't have to be offended if I say something that that uh, others might be offended, mm -hmm. but as brothers and sisters in Christ, you can correct me in love and say, yeah. you know, and I don't have to live in fear of even a conversation like this. Mm -hmm. And then also part of that is have conversations like what we're having right now and be ready. Like you might put your foot in your mouth. Grace abounds. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, if you never, if you don't open up your heart, like then it's again, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you're not speaking and you're not emptying out what is in your heart, and like then talking to people, people don't have a chance. Like I said, gently correct you. Like, hey, like you don't know that hurts, but it hurts in this way. Mm -hmm. And then it is your job now to be held accountable to be like, well, well, if that hurts you that way, then I'm not going to do that anymore. And when I see something like that, I'm going to call it out. So just kind of like being above reproach and mm -hmm. like not being afraid of the conversations or like the awkwardness that you might feel because you said something or did something wrong, you might not know. Like, it's systematic. It's been going on for so long. There's so many things that happen that you aren't aware are hurtful until you know they're hurtful. And once you know, then you're no longer, you're no longer able to call yourself, you're no longer ignorant to it, so you can no longer, like, just be blissfully right. living your life. That's good. Okay, now we're going to wind down now. Um, so the question is, where do we go from here? We know that uh, healing has to uh, occur, so there is forgiveness on um, uh, both sides, but uh, specifically, we've got to be intentional to recognize that African-American brothers and sisters in the church have been harmed, and that uh, there's a history that goes back uh, centuries, and that that harm can't be redone or undone 
uh, by us, but that Jesus really can do it. That's kind of where the conversation started. And then we've talked about identifying and fixing it as far as uh, we, there are certain things and mindsets that we can, we can do, but now we want to really think about, I want to challenge you to think about some actions of where do we go from here and to the person that is watching this or listening to this and trying to listen to God, um, what should we do next? And for me, I've broken this down, and I, I, I of course, being the, the one who wrote the question and got to think about the answer, yeah. so, uh, so I can go first if I need, but I thought about this in two ways. What do we as a church body need to do, and then what do I as an individual need to do um, to, to end racism? And I don't see that as a um, pie in the sky. I mean... Uh, love your neighbor to me is ultimately, and, and we're not going to like it. It's a lot easier to say if we yeah, vote, we can solve this by November. Yeah. But if you really see, if we really take the words of Jesus and say, I'm going to love my neighbor and I'll even love my enemies. <clears throat> but if I love my neighbors, meaning I take action, as Tony Evans said this week, he said, it's not uh, talking by faith. It's walking by faith. If I'll actually make the decision that I'm putting actions to this, that, uh, we can change this. And so um, I want you to think about uh, the actions that you personally might be able to take this week. And uh, Eric, I want you to answer this too. I can tell you the vision that I have for, for what ending racism looks like. And here's a, a, an idea that I think needs to be talked about at some point. And that is, how do you win an infinite game? And what I mean by that is, uh, a lot of times we talk about racism. I was taught uh, when I was in elementary school that we won the civil rights uh, movement. And, you know, I, I was kind of shocked when I found out racism was still uh, going on because I was told that was back in the 60s and they won. MLK won. Way to go. And so uh, the problem with an infinite game, and that is a game with no scorecard, no time limit, no defined rules, but yet uh, we're all waiting to win a game that's not that doesn't have an end. It's kind of like life or, or my marriage. If I were to tell you, hey, I finally won at my marriage, uh, you know, Erica only beat me up three times last week. And that's way, you would look and you would, you would say, you would say, Joel, that's not a win. That's, yeah. you know, it might be better than it was, but that's not, so in other words, we have to understand when we talk about relationships that it's very, we need to be clear about what winning looks like or if it's a game that can be won or if when we talk about relationships, I'm loving my wife well, that's when you would call it winning, but it's, it's not winning, it's something that is maintained. I have to keep doing it and keep doing yeah. it and I don't even think of it in, in terms of winning. And so part of me even questions the idea of, of solving this as opposed to a relationship in the church. Um, so I just thought I would kind of introduce that idea. And I have a vision of what I think it's going to look like for racism to be wiped out. And this is, uh, this is my thought. On my, on my street, I have, uh, we have a very uh, diverse street. We've got uh, literally probably uh, six or seven uh, different races and uh, countries represented. And on my street, I might not be able to solve in Minneapolis. I might not be able to solve in Chicago. But 
across the street is probably two of the, probably the two nicest kids on our street uh, are, are not in our house. They're probably across the street. <laughs> um, they're, uh, but bronze and true, okay? And, and there are two African-American boys, are, and they're just great kids. And we've known them their whole lives. And, uh, and I thought, you know, I came home once, and bronze had pulled the goal, the basketball goal that was behind my house. He had pulled it out and was shooting baskets. Um, and I was fine with that. I was glad somebody was using it, and I'd actually told him he could do that. But I thought, you know what? If somebody saw him just back behind my house, uh, pulling something out, that, what would they think? And I thought to myself, a vision for me could be whenever somebody at 10 o'clock sees two black boys running or walking down my street, what if instead of saying, what are those two black boys doing in my neighborhood? What if they said, hey, there's bronze and there's true. I'm going to call Kamika and see if she knows why they're, why they're out there. Or I'm going to go out and talk to them. Mm. What if I could be the catalyst to say, I'm going to unite my block and I'm going to make sure that at least we know our neighbors. And what if every church had every member say, you know what, I'm going to unite my street to where we had at least 100, from just Connection Point, we had 50 or 100 streets in Wiley where a mother didn't worry about her kid playing outside because she knows, hey, if they go down there, you know, Mr. Smith knows me. Mr. Smith loves my kids or, or, or will call me. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, love our neighbor it's a harder call, but to me, that's where the vision that God has given me. And so um, individually, that's where God and Erica, she's always likes it when God tells me, hey, this is what. But I really think that uh, part of the vision for me is I need to be inviting my neighbors over, not just to meet me, but we need to get together and we yeah. need to know each yeah, other. Yeah. And we need to be able to know that our kids and uh, that we can solve problems because we know and we're for each other. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's where on the individual level, that's kind of the vision that I've given myself of, I may not solve it, Mm -hmm. but I can know the next time I'm working towards something. I'm a part of something. And so... um, what would it look like for you? You can steal mine if you want. And then I'm also going to ask, what, would, what could we do in the church uh, as Connection Point Church, as Grace Word Fellowship? What could we do so that the next time something happens, we can be proud of what our church is doing, is already doing? Mm. Also, like you said, love. But understanding that word love, that, that's the new curse word in the church. Because people don't look at the idea behind love. When Jesus loved us, he gave his best for us. Are we willing to give our best for each other? Uh, uh, Be sacrificial. uh, Accept each other for our flaws and still love each other instead of judging each other. Uh, As a church, it's just being intentional. And for me, it has been God breaking that fear, uh, a fear coming to Joel. And, and, and sharing like this. You know what I'm saying? It's a fear until now. And, uh, 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 but breaking that fear barrier and just loving each other for who we are and then standing on the principle of, of the word of God. So I, I look, look in the word of God and said, we got to love our enemy, love our, each other. That's God's way. And uh, if we're saying we're Christian, then we got to live what he says in his word, live, because he did it for us. We've seen what he's done through the word of God, how he's given his life for each and every one of us. Are we willing to give our life for each other? 
And I think until we get to that point, and that's easily, easily said to done. And it, it, it's going to take us, you know, compromising. It's going to take us sucking it up, our ego breaking down to, uh, to make it happen. But being, like you said, being intentional and understanding, we got to love, we got to love. Jesus loved us unconditionally. What if he had all our faults against us? You know, so that's, that's why I try to think. What if God just say, okay, because of this, hey, you out of here. He can, t- you know. We're so in trouble. We'll be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So why can't we, yeah. what's holding us back uh, from, from loving deeply? And I know it's, it's because of the hurt, the pain, and everything that's happening. But when you become, uh, the scripture said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. He, he matured in his Christian walk. We have to mature in our walk and be, they be able to be comfortable and accept the criticism that we talked about out of love. Hmm. And so our approach, how we approach each other. But uh, uh, we got to love each other f- for who we are, you know. And, uh, and, 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 and like I say, address. Look at the man in the mirror. One of the greatest prophets ever was Michael Jackson. <laughs> Amen. Because we have to look at ourselves. Yeah. And then what we want from ourselves, they say, love thy neighbor as you love thyself. Right. So, and then, but then you have another issue that some people don't even love themselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, we have work to do. We do. Uh, but I think this is a great start. Well, man, I appreciate great that. Great start. Uh, Chloe, yeah. Tafatwa, y'all have any uh, final thoughts as, we, uh, as to where we go from here as we... Uh, kind of conclude this discussion yeah um i think like you were saying like love is so important and first john like one of my favorite verses just like love is an action and it's something that you do and so with that in mind like i think conversations like this is a great starting point and a great catalyst but i don't think it should stop Stop. here like people should hear these conversations and they should carry to the dinner table they should carry to family gatherings they should carry to the hear like to the ears that aren't hearing these conversations um, and I think from there, like you were saying, like when this happens or if this happens again, you know, what will we do as a church? And it'll be like, well, we've had these conversations starting now. Now we're able to walk with, you know, our brothers who are hurting. Now we have heard them out. We have heard how we can best love them mm-hmm. and how we can act out of that love and then use that and go from there. And so I think mm-hmm. it's just so important to like put that love into action and then move forward from there, knowing how you could best, you know, serve and love in that moment. So. And be genuine with it. Yeah. We don't want the fake. Don't just do it because. You know what I'm saying? You're just yeah. doing it just yeah. to ease it over. No, be mm-hmm. genuine with it. I've experienced that this week. You know, man, you ain't real. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that Mississippi about to come out of it. <laughs> but just be genuine with it. And don't try, I think sometimes we overthink it as well. Uh, uh, one of the things I experienced in the last year, I spoke at a predominant white church at a men's uh, breakfast. And boy, that was, the, it felt like I did my first sermon all over again. And God had to arrest me and say, man, these are your brothers in Christ. And it wasn't until I got into uh, the teaching that I, got comfortable because God started showing me. I stopped seeing the faces and it was like I was seeing angels over the congregation and I began to flow in what God had for the men that was there. And, uh, but it, it, it was so stressful. That was the most stressful thing I had. Uh, but I, th- I thank God for the opportunity yeah. because it, ooh, that just, it freed me so much to say, hey man, I can do this. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, they accepted 
who I was. I didn't have to go in and try to be somebody or speak, you know, I, I have a, a Mississippi slur and it's the country boy comes out of me. And so I have to speak ebonics sometimes. So, <laughs> but, but, but to be myself, and that was so confident, but it was so stressful at the same time. So just, just being, uh, being yourself. Well, some people, well, that's a double, well, just be yourself, yeah. be honest with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. just asking, starting with asking God, like, to break my heart for what, what is broken his and what's mm. breaking his and to have him open my eyes because I don't understand. Mm. I did not come from you know, the same background and, but I want to understand. So just being open and asking questions and educating myself. Like I've read two books this week. Cause I just, why, why the outcry? Why the, I, I, I don't understand it. And so just having conversations with people and educating, and then our kids have come to us like, why is this going on? And us being able to speak to them and say, listen, this is, you know, and, and to, to, put that in their hearts to where they can see the brokenness. And then, you know, also, you know, with our daughter, it's just, we, we've got to start having conversations like this. And I just read a book called Be the Bridge and just having a constant conversation of reconciliation mm -hmm. so that I can reconcile, you know, my sin and maybe some ugliness in my heart that I don't know that I, that I don't think I have, but mm -hmm. to be open to that and people can with gentleness point that out. And, you know, also knowing and saying like, what can I do? Where can I take action? That's very good. Connection Point Church, I, I really hope that you have found value in this. Same for uh, Grace Word Fellowship. I, I, I'm just excited that you're here, Jeff. Um, and so the conversation has just begun. Um, I hope that this has been uh, powerful for you, not necessarily in the words that we have said, but I hope that the Holy Spirit has spoken to our church in this because we do have work to do. Um, I'm praying so, uh, so many big things for our church of, of how we can make sure that we are not just part of the solution, but that people are looking to us saying, wow, there's a glimpse of heaven. That's what it's going to be like. And whenever they feel the pain of racism, people can get a glimpse of, hey, this can be overcome because look at what they're doing over there in the church. And so uh, let's begin to pray this week that God will speak clearly to us as church leaders and as Christ followers, not just on what the church is going to do, but what the Christ followers are going to do. And, and I'd love to tell you, we can solve it with a vote. We can solve it with, uh, with an action or two or a protest or two. But the, the truth is, it starts when we love our neighbor. And so that's my challenge to you is begin to pray. How are you going to love your neighbor this week, this month, and this year? So let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and close us with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for the power that has uh, just been done in this conversation, Lord. I thank you for the 
clarity that you've, you've spoken into my heart just through uh, the, the words of Tafadzwa and Chloe and Jeff and Adrian, Lord. And I thank you for uh, the, the conversations that can come out of this. Lord, I thank you for the conversations that happen in the car because of this or happen at the dinner table because of this. Lord, I pray that these, uh, these words don't stay as words, but that you convert them to actions, Lord. I pray that you do stir our hearts so that we can show the love of, of Christ, not just within our church, but also outside. And Lord, I pray that the next time something happens that CNN or Fox News or wherever they're going says, hey, this looks bad, but look what they're doing over there in the church. Look where this is going. Lord, I pray that we will no longer ask the question, what are we going to do? Lord, I pray instead people will look at us, look at what they are doing. They're following Jesus. Lord, help us to love our neighbor. Help us to love our enemies. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.